Well, good morning, Woodville family, and a huge shout out welcome to all of our guests that have joined us across the nation of Canada and globally around the world. Well, today we're concluding our three-part sermon series called Encounter. And for three Sundays, we've been exploring the ministry and the work of Holy Spirit. In message number one, we talked about the Holy Spirit in you. And I gave you five truths about the Holy Spirit in you. Last Sunday, we talked about the Holy Spirit through you. And we talked about spiritual gifts. And I shared with you the why of spiritual gifts, the what of spiritual gifts, and the how of spiritual gifts. Well, today in this final message, I want to take a few moments to talk to you about the Holy Spirit on you. And I want to explore with you today the subject of spirit baptism. Our text today is taken from the book of Acts. Now, some people say, how can we get our understanding of spirit baptism from a historical book? Shouldn't we be looking at either Paul's writings or Jesus' teaching? Well, the truth is, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and instruction. So you see, friends, I think we're on safe ground to get our understanding and teaching on spirit baptism from the book of Acts. Well, I want to start by giving you the five spirit baptism encounters that are found in the book of Acts. The first one is the Jerusalem encounter, and it's found in Acts chapter 2. The 120 were in an upper room when the Holy Spirit came upon them. We're going to read that text in a few moments. The second one is found in Acts chapter 8. It's the Samaria encounter. Apparently, Philip went to Samaria, and he was teaching about the Word of God, and many people got saved, and they were baptized in water. And the word got back to Jerusalem. And so they sent Peter and John and Peter and John went there and laid their hands upon them. And those people in Samaria who were believers got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The third encounter is the Saul of Tarsus encounter. And it's found in Acts chapter nine. And Saul is on his way to Damascus and he has a glorious encounter and he falls to the ground as a light comes into his eyes and he gets saved. About three days later, while he's in his house in Damascus, Ananias comes to him and he places his hands upon him and Saul of Tarsus gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, the fourth encounter happened in Caesarea and it happened in the house of Cornelius and it's found in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we read that the people there, the Gentile believers in Cornelius' house were, were so hungry for God and, and Peter is preaching. And they're taking it in. And in the middle of his preaching, the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon them. And they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, the final spirit baptism encounter in the book of Acts is in Ephesus. It's the Ephesus encounter. And it's found in Acts chapter 19. And we learned that Apollos went to Corinth, but Paul went down to Ephesus. And there's a handful of believers, there's 12 of them. And he asked them, have you received, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they looked at Paul and said, we have no clue what you're talking about. So Paul places his hands on them and he prays for them. And they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, friends, there's five spirit baptism encounters in the book of Acts. Well, I want to take you back to the first encounter and it's found in Acts chapter 2. And I want to read to you Acts chapter 2, verse 1, down to verse 4. And let's start in verse number 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together 
in one place. 120 believers in an upper room waiting, waiting for the Spirit to come. Well, why were they there? Well, first of all, it was the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50, and Pentecost, 50, the Feast of Pentecost, Penta means 50, and 50 days after the Passover, it's the Feast of Pentecost, and Jerusalem is bustling with people, and the 120 are in the upper room waiting. Why were they doing that? Well, the Bible says in Joel chapter 2 that Joel predicted that this experience would happen. He said in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And these believers in Acts chapter 2 knew that prophecy of Joel. But then John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus, he preached about it. He did. Several occasions in the Gospels, he said, I baptize you with water. But there's one coming whose sandals I'm not even worthy of untying. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, they knew those words. Well, you see, Joel predicted it and John preached it, but Jesus promised it. Jesus talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16 at the Last Supper with the disciples. But on several occasions, he promised the gift of the Spirit coming down upon the believers. In the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, just before his ascension, he said to the believers, he says, let me ask the Father for the gift that he promised. And he told them to stay in Jerusalem until they've been clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter 1, it's an amazing story. On another occasion, while he was eating with his disciples, he gave them this command. He said, don't you leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. He said, John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he went on to say in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So you see, these disciples, they knew that Joel had predicted it, and they knew that John the Baptist had preached it, and they knew that Jesus had promised it, so they, they went to Jerusalem obediently and waited 10 days in an upper room. They were obediently there, they were with openness as they were there, and they were in oneness and unity for those 10 days. Well, I want you to look at verse number two. It says, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a, of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It's like God was saying, this is the moment. And those 120 in that upper room heard something that no one else heard. They heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. This is the moment. You see wind in the Old Testament the ancient Hebrew word ruach can mean spirit or breath or wind. So they knew that this had to be the moment. And then in verse number three, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came and rested on each of them. The Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two came and rested on them. You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on certain people at certain times. But here in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came and rested on all of them, on all the fire. We shouldn't be surprised because they knew that John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This was the moment that they were baptized. And then it tells us in verse number 4, all of them were 
filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them or as the Spirit gave them utterance. They received, they relied on the Spirit, and they responded. And so now they're walking through the streets and they're, they're praising God in their newfound heavenly language. And, and, and Jerusalem is filled with all these Jewish believers from every nation. In fact, we learn in Acts chapter 2 that there were actually 17 languages, 17 nations. And these people heard these new spirit baptized 120 believers praising God in their language. Well, some of them, they were amazed. And they looked at each other and they said, what, what does this mean? Well, there's another group of people, they were amused and they started laughing and they said, they're drunk on wine. They've had way too much wine. Well, the Bible says that Peter changed his position. You see, he was seated when he received, but then he stood and he raised his voice and he spoke out to the crowd with the anointing of God on him. And he preached this powerful God-inspired message. In verse number 33, he said, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out on what you now hear and see. And he even clarified for those who thought they were drunk. He said, no, they're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel talked about. The Bible teaches us that when the people heard this message, they were cut to their heart. And they said to Peter, well, what, what do we need to do? And he told them to repent and he told them to be baptized. And then he talked about receiving the gift of the spirit. And he said, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord has called. The Acts chapter two encounter. And the end of this, 3,000 people got saved. Well, folks, that's the five encounters of spirit baptism in the book of Acts. Well, for a couple moments today, I, I want to talk to you about six quick things. We want to talk about the who, what, where, when, why, and how of spirit baptism. I want to bring to you some clarity to any confusion you have about spirit baptism. And the first thing I want to talk to you about as we explore the subject, I want to answer the question, the, the who of spirit baptism. Who, who is this encounter of spirit baptism for? Well, write this in your notes. Number one, it's available to every believer. If you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, this encounter is available to you. Well, let me go a little deeper in this. Let me take you to number two on this thought. Let me talk to you about salvation. Salvation is when you experience or encounter the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. When you got saved, you got born again. And the Holy Spirit took residence in your life. The indwelling work of Holy Spirit came in you. That's what happened in John chapter 20 when the disciples were in that room and Jesus showed up and breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came in you. But spirit baptism, this is number three, is when you encounter or you experience the power, the power of the Holy Spirit on you. You see, friends, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Spirit baptism is a different experience than salvation. It's a subsequent experience. It comes after salvation. When you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit in you. But when you get baptized in the Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit on you. And when you got saved, you can experience the Spirit leading you and guiding you and convicting you and 
teaching you, but there's a glorious encounter where the Spirit comes upon you with His power. So if you're a believer, this experience is for you. I want to take you to number two, and I want to talk to you about the why of Spirit baptism, because you might be thinking, why, why do I need this experience? Mark, can I get to heaven without being baptized in the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes. You don't need to have spirit baptism to get to heaven. All you need is the spirit in you becoming born again. That's what gets you to heaven. But friends, spirit baptism gives you a greater effectiveness for you're here on earth for the kingdom. I want to explain the why to you, and I want to give you two things. Number one, there's something for you. There's something for you. And I want you to see that there's a greater spiritual intimacy and connection with God that can happen when you are baptized in the Spirit. Remember in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. Be. Not do, but be. You see, when you get baptized in the Spirit, Something happens where there's a new power to bring freedom in your life. Some of you have been struggling with habits and and hurts and and hang-ups, but spirit baptism can bring you a greater dimension of freedom. Remember in Acts chapter 2, it tells us in in, in verse number 2 that they heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Only the 120 heard it. How many people would like to hear the voice of God more clear? more acutely, more accurately. Spirit baptism gives you a greater sensitivity to the voice of God. When you get baptized in the Spirit, you will hear His voice more clearer. Remember they saw tongues of fire that came and rested on each of them? When you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will begin to have greater insight. It's like the Word of God gets into 3D dimension. All of a sudden, you've got spiritual insights like you've never had before. And guess what? You also get a prayer language. So many times I don't know how to pray. And so I begin to pray in my prayer language. And it's not me praying. It's Holy Spirit praying through me. And the Spirit truly knows the will of God, friends. Spirit baptism is loaded with a greater dimension of intimacy for you. But then there's something else. This is number two. There's something through you that can happen. And what happens through you is for others. And we learn that there's a greater spiritual power that you can experience when you've been baptized in the Spirit. That dunamis power that becomes the gateway to the supernatural. I mean, Peter was sitting when he received. And then he stood and he raised his voice and he began to speak a God-inspired message that he had not even planned that was so Spirit-led. I want Holy Spirit to guide my words when I speak. I want the Spirit of God to guide every word that I say. I need the power of God to minister as your pastor, and you need the power of God to make a difference in Ottawa and in your community church. Please hear me. You need spirit baptism because it will give you a greater dynamic of the Spirit's power on your life. It will change you, and people will see the change. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Do you want to be more effective in your Christian walk? 
Do you want to have a closer intimacy with God? Do you want God to use you in a greater way? He's using you now, but spirit baptism will increase the effectiveness of how he will use you. That is why you need spirit baptism. Well, church, I want to take you to number three, the when of spirit baptism, the, the when. Well, we've already established that it happens after salvation, but I think the question is how long after salvation? I mean, is this experience for the, the old veterans of the church? You got to be saved for years before you experience it. Well, if we go to the Acts account in Acts chapter two, they waited 50 days, right? Pentecost, 50 days. I mean, after the Passover, the spirit goes in them in John 20 and they, and 40 days go by and then they waited for 10 days and 50 days later, they experienced it. That's what happened there. Well, for Paul, it seemed to be three days after his conversion experience, but in the other, it seemed to be pretty quick, pretty quick. But you know something, friends? I want to share with you a thought, and I want you to write this in your notes. Start seeking for this encounter now. Some of you, you just invited Jesus Christ in your life in the last week. Some of you in the last month, I want you to start seeking for spirit baptism now. Some of you, you've been a believer for years and you're thinking, well, should I still seek for this spirit baptism? Start seeking for this experience now. You see, before Jesus sent the disciples out to do ministry, he told them to wait for the gift that the father promised because Jesus knew that the power of the Holy Spirit was so important for their ministry. You need to wait first before you do ministry. It was so important. In fact, when I read all the accounts in the book of Acts, I see very clearly early in their discipleship journey, they were to experience spirit baptism. Why? So they can have a greater spiritual intimacy and so they can have a greater spiritual power. So my challenge for every one of you today, start right now, even as I'm preaching, start right now seeking and being open and desiring this experience. You need this experience. And when you realize how much you need this experience, it will increase your desire for this experience. Number four, I want to talk to you about the what of spirit baptism. What, what is the sign that I've received this experience? Well, friends, there's many evidences, but there really only is one sign, one tangible sign. You see, in Acts chapter 2, the, the, the wind, rushing wind, didn't continue in the other accounts, and the, and the cloven tongues of fire didn't continue in the other accounts, but tongues did. I want you to write this in your notes. The sign that you've received spirit baptism is tongues. The Greek word is glossolalia. Just wrap your tongue around that word, glossolalia. And it simply means an unlearned language. It could be an earthly language. That's what it was in Acts chapter two. But Paul talks about the tongues of angels, so it can really be a, a heavenly language. That's what it was for me when I was baptized in the spirit. You see, the proof, the indicator that you've experienced this is that there will be an outward indicator and God chose tongues. It's like he took the most unruly part of our body, the tongue, and he used that to be the indicator. Well, in Acts chapter two, it was clear that they spoke in tongues. We, we know that. 
Well, in Acts chapter 10, in Cornelius' house, it was clear they spoke in tongues. And in Acts chapter 19, in Ephesus, it's clear that they spoke in tongues, but it's not as crystal clear in Acts chapter 8. Well, there's a bit of an indicator because Simon the sorcerer wanted to buy this, so he saw something or heard something. So I, I guess you could say that there, there is some indicator that there was a sign, but when Paul was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't tell us there that he spoke in tongues, but he said in 1 Corinthians, I wish that you spoke in tongues as much as me. So some of you get caught up and hung up in the fact that three of the five are clear, but two of the five aren't. Well, let me give you a thought. In Acts 2.41, on that day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. It says they were, that they were baptized in water. And the next growth was mentioned in Acts 4.4, 4, where the church grew to 5,000. But it doesn't say they were baptized in water. We have no record of that. In fact, 31 times in the book of Acts, we read of people being saved, but only four of the times does it tell us they were baptized in water. So do we conclude that only 25% of new believers need to get baptized in water? No, we all should. Just because it doesn't clearly state there were tongues doesn't mean it did not clearly happen. I think it was so understood that Luke didn't always mention it but he mentioned it very clearly in three of the five. Let me give you another thought. Write this in your notes. What about tongues? This is the prophetic confirmation of a prophetic anointing for a prophetic proclamation. It's the confirmation that the Spirit has come upon you. Now, the Greek word for come upon is epi. And Luke was very specific to mention in these accounts that the Spirit came upon them so people understood this was a different experience from when they got born again and the Spirit came into them. It's a prophetic confirmation of a prophetic anointing for a prophetic proclamation. Number five, the where of Spirit baptism. Where, where can this happen? Well, I'm here in the main auditorium preaching to you today and many of you got baptized in the Holy Spirit at this altar I was baptized in the Spirit at a Pentecostal campground, at a Pentecostal meeting, but I think you know that our church camps are closed this summer, and so how can we experience Spirit baptism at a camp? Well, you know, friends, when I read through these accounts, I noticed in Acts chapter 2, they were in a house, in an upper room of a house when they got baptized. And Paul was in a house when he got baptized. And in Caesarea, they were at Cornelius' house. They were baptized three, very clearly, of the five accounts happened in a house. You could receive your spirit baptism right in a house. Write this in your notes. Write this in your notes. Wherever Jesus is, it can happen. Wherever he is. And he's omnipresent. And he can, he can baptize you right in your home, right today and right now. My friend Bruce was in a church I pastored in the greater Toronto area. He heard the teaching and after the service, he went home and studied the notes and he went in his bedroom and said, Lord, if this is real, baptize me now. And Bruce got gloriously baptized in the Holy Spirit right in his house. There's a couple that I know in ministry. I'll never forget the day that his wife got saved. It was a Sunday evening service. We were pastoring in the greater Toronto area and she gave her heart to Jesus and it was like 30 seconds later, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, friends, you don't have to be here in the building to have this experience. It can happen right in your home today. It's for every believer. Why not you? Why not now? And why not today? 
Well, I want to take you to the final thought, the, the how of spirit baptism. Okay, Mark, give me some practicals. How can this happen? Well, three things. First of all, there's something that you do. You've got to start by pursuing Jesus. Be open to it. Seek it. Desire it. Once you realize how much you need it, you're going to want it. And, and in Acts chapter 2, they were waiting for 10 days and they were hungry and thirsting to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, when Peter was preaching and he was at Cornelius' house, and as he was preaching, they were so hungry for the word of God and so hungry for this experience. I want to encourage you to pursue Jesus. Seek the one who baptizes you, and his name is Jesus. Jesus is the baptizer. Seek him, call out to him, pray to him, worship him, seek for him. Now, now church, here it is. I would word it this way. It takes basically a teaspoon of understanding to be baptized in the spirit and a swimming pool of trust. Jump in, trust him, let him baptize you. We learn in Luke that he gives give gifts to us just like a father gives give gifts to his children. How much more does the father give the gift of the spirit to those that ask, pursue him? Ask him right now to fill you. But then there's number two, something the Holy Spirit does. He will come upon you. When you pursue Jesus, now the Holy Spirit will do what only he can do. You will have an awareness of his presence. It might be emotional. It may not be. Let's be honest. Some of us have an emotional reaction like a boat anchor. We just don't express our emotion. Others of us, we are so demonstrative and so emotional. It's like if I took the cover off of a light socket switch and open up the wires and I touch it and you touch it, I might respond emotionally different than you. So it's not about emotion, but you will sense an amazing awareness and an acuteness of the presence of Holy Spirit coming upon you. Remember Luke used the word epi, coming upon. The spirit who's already in you will now be the spirit that will come upon you. And you will have an amazing awareness of it. But there's one more thing. I want you to write this in your notes. It's something that you do together. You and Holy Spirit do together. Some people say to me, I want it to be all God. That's not the way it works. You do this together with Holy Spirit. You begin to speak spirit-led words. You begin to speak that glossolalia. You begin to speak that unlearned, unknown language. You see, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. He will write the script, but it will be your tongue. And so as you pursue Jesus, let the spirit come on you and then open your mouth and just let those words come forth. And you will know that you are baptized in the spirit as you speak in other tongues. Well, friends, I'm holding on to a Bible, a special Bible. This is the Bible of George Chambers, the first general superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. He was born in the late 1800s in Lindsay, Ontario, and he died in 1957 in Kitchener, Ontario. But he, he was of another denomination at one time in Kitchener, and he was at his convention. They brought in a guest speaker who talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, 
Everybody in that conference rejected it and they took it to a vote. Should we accept it or reject it? And they rejected it. And the moment they rejected, a dove in the upper rafters flew out the window. It's like the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to leave you. And George Chambers, along with about seven or eight other men, left their movement and birthed the Pentecostal Assembly of Canada. But here's the kicker. His wife had already experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But when he left his movement, he had not yet experienced it. He left over a belief in an experience before he experienced it. You may not know this, but he's got family in this church. He does. His granddaughters in this church. Some of his great-grandchildren are in this church. And some of his great-great-grandchildren are in this church. And a number of his great-great-great-grandchildren are in this church. And three of those great-great-great-grandchildren are my grandchildren. My son married into this family. What a rich heritage. And I pray that my grandchildren and your children and your grandchildren would experience the promise of spirit baptism. Just a moment, Pastor Brad is going to lead us in a song of worship. And I want you to stand. I want you to open your hearts. And I want you to pursue Jesus. And I want you to let the spirit come upon you. And I want every one of you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Moms and dads, get your children. Gather as a family. Begin to worship. Let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Amen. Become. Let us become more aware 
of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of come on you make that your prayer this morning church let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your Together we sing Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence, Lord. song and I want to encourage you today in your home whether you're alone you're with your spouse your children just be open to the experiencing spirit baptism I want to share with you today that spirit of God is so real and Jesus wants to baptize you more than you can ever imagine you've had encounters with the Holy Spirit but now experience that empowering work of Holy Spirit well, I'm still holding on to George Chambers' Bible. And I read this week that a bunch of these newly men who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit gathered not far from Ottawa in a place called Mill Roach. It's down along the St. Lawrence River. It's there where they gathered, where they talked about the birthing of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. It wasn't until a little later in Kitchener that he was elected to be the first general superintendent. But it was in Mill Roach, just down the highway from us, that they gathered in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada was birthed. But here's what I didn't know. Mill Roach, they say it's, it's a ghost town. It's not there. It's been flooded by the St. Lawrence Seaway. Can you imagine where our movement was birthed? It's flooded by some water. My prayer is that we would be flooded by the water of the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that out of your belly would flow the rivers of living water. And I want to encourage you to keep studying these scriptures, go over these notes and be open to this experience. It's real and it will change your life. And Jesus wants to baptize you right where you are. Well, perhaps you're watching today and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life. If today was the day that you stepped into eternity, that you don't know for sure if you're going to heaven, I don't want you to think you're going to heaven. I don't want you to hope you're going to heaven. I want you to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you're going to heaven. You're going to live for eternity. That's the truth. The Bible says heaven is real and hell is real. Where will you spend eternity? 
Well, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, salvation is all about turning away from your sin, turning to God, repenting of your sin, and asking Jesus to be the center of your life. So you're watching today, and you don't know if you're ready for heaven. You don't know for fact, for sure, if today was the day you stepped to eternity that you're going to heaven, but you want to be ready for heaven. Jesus is real, and he wants to change your life. I would have no greater joy than leading you in a prayer today. And so I want to pray for you to receive Jesus. If you've never prayed this prayer, I want you to join with me as I pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sin. I have decided to follow you. I ask you into my life. I receive you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe there's many of you right now that you ask Jesus Christ to be the center of your life. You've made the best decision of your life. And on some of the platforms we are presenting this sermon, you will see a place where you can indicate that you've accepted Jesus. Reach out to us. We'll reach back to you. And we will help you in your new faith journey. And if you live in Ottawa and you don't attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church, join us in the journey. Follow us online. And when we get back on site, be sure to come and check us out 9 or 11 o'clock. But if you don't live in the Ottawa area, you'd like to attend a life-giving, Bible-believing church because you don't attend one, reach out to us and we will help you find one. Well, friends, I'm pretty moved today holding on to this Bible that Brother George Chambers preached from and I kind of tease and pray that the anointing from him would just come upon me. (laughs) I want a fresh anointing of God on my life. And there's one more thing I want to do. I want to pray for you. I cannot lay my hands upon you today, but, but it's almost like virtually I'm laying my hands upon you. I want to pray that every one of you would receive spirit baptism today. Maybe you've never had this experience. I want to pray that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit right now today. And some of you have already had this experience. Well, Paul said in Ephesians 5, verse 18, keep on being filled with the Spirit. In fact, when you read in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John and the disciples were together again and the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. I pray that every one of us would have a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. So right where you are, I want you just to lift up your hands. Boys and girls, lift up your hands. Young people, lift up your hands. Adults, lift up your hands. And I want to pray that everyone today would be baptized in the Spirit. Well, Jesus, you are the baptizer. And we're hungry for you. We long for you. We want you. We need you. We need a greater spiritual intimacy. And we need a greater spiritual power. And I pray that the power of Pentecost would fall upon us right now in our homes right this very moment. I pray that everyone would have a a clear awareness of your spirit coming upon them. And may they know right now that they have been baptized in the spirit as they speak in that heavenly language and they have confirmation of this experience in the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe there's many of you right now, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're speaking in that heavenly language as the spirit gives you utterance. Well, Church Evelyn, I love you so dearly. Thank you for joining us on this Pentecost Sunday. And may God bless you and give you a great week. 
Thank you for tuning in to Woodvale's online church service this morning. I trust that you have been encouraged by the worship and challenged by the sermon and that Holy Spirit is moving in your life. You know what? From whatever platform you watched our service this morning, if you would share that with people that you know and help us get the word out, we would greatly appreciate that. Today, if you've got children ages SK to grade five, we have got some incredible content on our website. Why not check it out? Next Sunday, Pastor Mark is starting a brand new sermon series titled Unfamiliar at 9 and 11 a.m. online. You will not want to miss it. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and may God bless you and keep you and may you experience his presence this week. Mm -hmm.